1: it's time to take command with former nfl tight end logan paulson and former commander's beat reporter craig hoffman
0: take command podcast from odyssey sports i am craig hoffman he is logan paulson 10 years in the nfl as a tight end for him five years as a reporter for me uh now i host a daily radio show if you're new that's us uh thanks for joining us and uh we got a fun one for you today, and Logan. I think it's important to introduce ourselves off the top because I think I think we might cause some waves in the NFC East today. <laughs> Why
1: do you say that?
0: Because so here's we're all what we All the positions. Yeah, people yeah. people are are protective of their their teams. I got gotcha. you. Uh, and what I we're going to do today saying. is we're gonna we did this last year as well, but we're gonna take uh, every. Position group and I'll explain how we're breaking those down in a second uh, in on the offensive side in the NFC East and we're going to rank them one through four obviously the four teams of the NFC East uh, and we're going to do it this way quarterbacks running backs pass catchers so wide receivers tight ends club mm-hmm. together how do you feel about that as our resident tight end.
1: I mean, I've, I think that's the way the position's going. I think they should be clustered that way. They're almost like big body wide receivers, you know, especially for some of the teams around the division, which we'll talk about more later, but yeah, I'm okay with that.
0: Okay. And then offensive line, obviously yeah. very important. Uh, we did our confidence rankings for the commanders yesterday. So it's going to be fun to kind of see uh, where these groups land uh, amongst the commanders uh, and how we feel about various parts of that football team. Uh, and then obviously the uh the division as a whole so we're gonna start with the big one uh we're gonna start with quarterback uh although you might argue the big one's wide receiver tight end of course uh but we're gonna start (laughs) with start with quarterback and and let me lay down this one other ground rules uh so to speak uh to get started we are doing this based off of the ability to win in 2023 we are not doing how they're building their franchise we're not doing long-term prognosis it is for twenty twenty three. Who would you rather have? Period. So, if people want to bring up, for instance, as we, I'm sure we will talk about Daniel Jones' contract over the long term, that's not relevant to this conversation. What we're talking about is the ability to play football in 2023 for the football team that the player or the group uh, is playing for, and how how much we like that setup. So, with that said, Logan. Uh, I think number one's pretty easy. Uh, Jalen Hurts led yeah. the Eagles to the Super Bowl last year. Uh, then you got Dak Prescott, Daniel Jones, and the Sam Howell, Jacoby Brissett combo. Uh, most likely we're looking at Howell here, but uh, how do you how do you start to, to stack these up uh, once you get past the easy one and Hurts at, at one?
1: Yeah, I think it's becoming a little bit more challenging for me. It used to be kind of like, you know, Dak Prescott was the guy in the division, and I don't know, man, like, every year I feel like you watch him and, you know, he does have moments of greatness where he looks awesome, but, you know, is he just a better publicized like Kirk cousins at this point in his career? And I, you know, I don't know. And that's, and that, that used to be an indictment. I think Kirk's a good player, you know, top, he was a top 12 quarterback last year. And I think um, Dak Prescott, definitely de- like depending on the year has an opportunity to do that. But I think those guys kind of get you beat. And I think he's a guy that just seemingly every single year is so reliant on his supporting cast and um you know i think they got a pretty good one this year which we're going to talk about more as the show goes but you know i i was so impressed last year with what um daniel jones did you know for for the giants in terms of just elevating an offense that just had nothing you know they just had nothing so um i know this is a subjective thing but like i part of me wants to lean daniel jones here ever so slightly i think maybe if you go history maybe if you go pedigree you say dak prescott but I've just not been overly impressed with him the last two years. And I think Dallas fans probably feel the same way to a certain extent. So to me, that's that's a tough one. And then I think it's kind of one, two there. And then I think you're kind of in the uh, Sam Howell, Jacoby Preset at four, you know, just from. And again, like, we, you know, we said this on the show on Monday, but I, I have a lot of faith in Sam. I have a lot of faith in Jacoby, but they just have not done it yet at the same level yeah. as other guys have. So I think that's why I'm a little like they got to show me. I think they can win football games, um, but it's a little bit of an unproven commodity at the moment.
0: So I had the same thought about Jones and Prescott, but the more I think about it, the more I still would put Prescott second. Here's why. why. I think think it's expectation-based. I think Dak has underperformed expectations. Jones has overperformed. However, if you actually put them head-to-head, who's better? And but I think okay. the answer is still Prescott. So in other words, like if you do it based off expectations, you expect Prescott to be an A. All of a sudden he comes in at a B minus or a B, right? And you're like, to, damn, uh, yeah, yeah. damn, that's not that's not great. Like he's supposed to be an A guy. He's now a B. Jones, you expect to be a C he comes in at a B minus, and you're like, wow, look at Daniel sure. Jones. Well, B is still better than B And yeah. I and you I, I think what you were about to start to say is, well, Prescott hasn't even been a B. And I we can get into that in a second. But I think there is still this ceiling for Dak that he hits more often, for instance, the, I mean, no no greater example than the final three games he played last year in terms of the wild inconsistency right. where he is against the Niners in the game they lose. He's 23 of 37 for 206, a touchdown and two picks. But in the divisional game against Tampa, he's 25 of 33, only eight incompletions yeah. in a playoff game for 305, four touchdowns and no picks. And everyone's talking about, oh, my God, like – If Dak's, if this is Dak, like the Cowboys are going to the Super Bowl. And that, of course, comes out the week after. He was awful against Washington, 14 of 37 for 128. He threw for 282 the week before that, 347 against Philly uh, on Christmas Eve last year. So, like, he still has these games where he throws for 300 yards and three touchdowns, you know, four, five, six times a season. Um, And, Jones doesn't really do that. Now, he's asked to do different things, and I realize that's part of it is the rushing and and kind of more of a game management mentality than Dak who's asked to make some plays. And I do think Dak has come down from his level a couple years ago, in part because he doesn't run anymore, especially post-ankle injury. He doesn't have the same rushing threat that he used to, where Jones has that. So when you talk about total yardage, it starts to get a little bit closer. And obviously, we know quarterback rushing yards have an outsized impact on the game. But I still think, like, head-to-head, Prescott is slightly better than Jones, although I think those are the two close – like, that's definitely the hardest decision you have to make here.
1: Yeah, and I, my rebuttal to that would be, like, if you took Dak Prescott and put him on that New York Giants offense last year, like, what like what do you care? Because, like, that offense was not good. The O-line was gr- not great. I think, you know, the, kind of the bright spot of the offense was their third wide receiver – you know what I'm saying, um, Slayton. Right, Slayton was the third wide right receiver who becomes their one. No, Slayton.
0: Sense? Slayton was the one who became the three. I think. No,
1: no, but because at the beginning of the season they had those two other guys, both one tore his Achilles in training camp, and then the other tore is hamstring or tore ACL. Remember, I'm like running in that weird stop route like week four of the season. Slayton yeah. was supposed to be their third kind of you know top end speed guy, big play guy. He ends up being the one for most of the year. They bring in Hodgins from. Uh, From Buffalo off the practice. Yeah, that's the kid I was thinking of is Hodges. And he's he's a good football player, but like in terms of supporting cast, man, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I, those, I know it's hard to play receiver in the NFL, but you want more weapons around you than that. So I look at what he did and, and how he elevated the offensive line. A lot of that credit needs to go to Brian Dayball, you know what I mean? And, you know, Kafka and that offensive staff who did an excellent job. So it's hard to kind of parcel that out, but I'm like, he, he really, Daniel Jones really did a great job of playing efficient football elevating that roster really and again you know wink martindale and that defense deserves some credit but it's tough and i do think i I kind of get what you're saying i think dak has a little bit more high upside from an explosive play standpoint which is probably why i lean that way but is that because he's got cd lamb and Gallup and one of the best offensive lines in football you know like it's it's hard for me to kind of separate him from the stuff that's around him and i think if he's up in new york last year It's a garbage fire, you know, and Jones was at least able to make it something serviceable. Now, again, there's the coordinator is a huge, huge element of that. But um, yeah, I I think I guess I'd probably lean Dak ever so slightly, but I don't feel great about it just because of that question. It's yeah. if, If Dak was in New York and Jones was in Dallas, what's that conversation look like? You know, are they totally different players?
0: It's a great question, but I think you also bring up something that could almost be used to counter your point, which is he then have Brian Dable as his head coach. And, you know, last year, Kellen Moore, you know, I I don't I don't know what to make of Kellen Moore because everyone in Dallas can't stand him. Everyone around the NFL thinks he's a genius. Uh, The Chargers couldn't hire him fast enough, Um, but he's also working with Mike McCarthy, who. Again, I have no idea what to make of Mike McCarthy. He won a Super yeah. Bowl with Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers with the peak of his powers. He probably should have won more Super Bowls with Aaron Rodgers at the peak of his powers. So is that actually yeah. a, a compliment or an indictment? Um I I don't know, man. And now, now he's going to be basically running things uh, on the offensive side down there in Dallas, and I don't know what that's going to look like. Because if we were to do a coordinator rankings, like that, would get super interesting in this division, you know, coordinator slash coach rankings. And by the way, Philadelphia, that's also something we should mention is like sure. Shane Steichen is gone. Um, so for Hurts, who safely is still one because he's Jalen freaking Hurts, um, and he's he's earned that uh, after last year. Is it going to be as good? Yeah. Probably not. Um, right. You know that still could be really good, but who knows? Year two, um, they they move some pieces around. We'll see. But um, then you obviously have the you know similar questions here in Washington with Bienni and and how he can design things. And, and we talked about that more extensively at the end of the pod on Monday of these question marks that. You know we have with the in terms of being a full-time play caller in terms of how he adapts uh to things that he learns about his personnel during the season um and and i think that's why with along with the inexperience you certainly have to put howell and Bursett forth. um it'd be fun to do this on a per dollar basis because i think sure. that gets that gets you know hurts now the most expensive guy in the league or one of them um, yeah. depending on if we're looking at 2023 i can't remember the exact structure of his deal um you know jones obviously signs the big one prescott's on a big deal washington guys on relatively cheap deals uh rookie contract for hal and, and 10 million for percent mm-hmm. but um yeah man it's uh it's a it's a super fascinating quarterback division because even with hurts like he's non-traditional what happens if they don't want to run him quite as much sure. you know how does it look during the regular season do they save that for the playoffs like there's a lot of questions i think at quarterback in this division with a ton of incredible upside but a lot of unknown, a lot of, unknown. Yeah. there's literally unknowns in every spot.
1: And talk about a guy who's really supported by a supporting cast. Like Jalen Hurts, arguably has the best supporting cast in all of football, you know, like yeah. uh, outstanding running back. Uh, you know, obviously uh, Sanders has gone pennies in. He's very, very talented injury history. Um, they, they sign um, Swift from Detroit, a guy who's very explosive uh, football player. Um, the receivers there, the offensive line. I mean, the scaffolding there for him is is amazing and they do a great job kind of keeping that roster really, really deep. So, you know, in terms of just pure quarterback play, I think it's really hard to separate any of these guys. Like, you know, I think Jalen Hurts is a little bit more than a scheme guy. I think he showed that with that playoff run last sure. year, but, um, but I, it's hard to kind of say like, you know, one of the things I always talk about with like Joe Flacco, for example, or Russell Wilson, his first year in Seattle, was like those were some of the best rosters in football. And, you know, when the roster started to deteriorate around a guy like Russell Wilson or a guy like Joe Flacco, the production falls off. And Russell Wilson, I think, is, you know, arguably a Hall of Fame caliber player. But, you know, when the roster's not there to support it, it's a totally different animal. So um, while I think Jalen Hurts definitely deserves to be number one, I think that's always something that needs to be considered with that type of guy. So, um, yeah, man, I think it's Jalen Hurts. I guess we're going to go with Dak just cause his body of work's been a little bit more impressive. He's been a more explosive player, um, Jones, and then Howell. but I'm, I'm pretty on the fence. I think Dak and Jones are both in that kind of like, you know, that 15 to, or, you know, 22 to 15 range of quarterback that is good that you're happy with, but you have to pay him and you can't really move on from him. So yeah. it's, um, it's kind of a tough deal. And, um, I guess yeah, edge to Dak Jones and then Howell. I think. Do you agree with that?
0: Yeah, I think I think that's how you, you got to do it. I I really could probably, if we spent long enough, be convinced of Jones. Also, because I will not be surprised if it's week six and we're being like, yeah, we should have just put Jones there. Like yeah. year two, that that is the lingering thought is like Prescott loses more. Um, you know, McCarthy. I don't trust a whole lot as an offensive coordinator. And a guy, Colin plays and and all that kind of stuff. He was so vanilla in Green Bay. Um, And part of that also is I know Rodgers likes things pretty stripped down. So who knows? Um, We'll we'll get to really find out about McCarthy as a coordinator. But like year two with Day Bull having an entire offseason of knowing Daniel Jones, like, and by the way, a better supporting cast. Last year, that was the easiest ranking we did was Giants, wide receivers, and tight end last. Um, That was the easiest call. Uh, of any of these groups that we did, so I, if you were like, if you wanted to stand on the table to go be, be, draft draft style, like we got to take this guy. If you want to stand on the table for Daniel Jones, I'm down to put Daniel Jones second. But yeah. I I tend to think that Dak is probably still the deserves to be the second. Yeah, I just
1: think I'd like to see another year. You know, another year from Daniel okay. Jones. You know, I, I can. I'm excited to see what they do with that offense up there you know again that was that was one of the worst rosters in football and i think you're you know expecting a little bit of a progression from evan neal the first round tackle last year they bring in darren waller they bring in campbell they get faster on that side of the football they get a little more athletic you know it it's there's definitely a world where they're a very very good football team and he's playing much much better um but it's still numbers
0: reflect that right because he played pretty well last year but like it was a the numbers weren't pretty this year. The yeah. numbers could be a lot more explosive. Yeah,
1: I think that's the thing. Is like he was he was super efficient. It was like it was like their passing game was like a, a a really efficient running game. It was like five yards here, third and two, keeper for a first down. Daniel Jones rushes or scramble. You know, it just was like this really methodical, labored thing that was just really really efficient. Um, and I think that efficiency is going to improve this year with some more explosive playmakers and guys. We're going to catch football. Think about the game, the uh, the first game that we played or the second. Yeah, the first game uh, the Commanders played against New York up in New York, and there was a couple balls that were dropped by the receivers. You know, explosive yeah. plays. And I thought, you know, does that happen this year with the new supporting cast? But I, I agree. I think Dak two just because the body of works probably a little bit more consistent. But I, I do th- I agree with you, Daniel Jones, like week six or seven. Could be in that, um, you know, could be in the conversation for, for two for sure.
0: Yeah, in fairness to Jones, he did throw for 300 in the playoff game against Minnesota. Uh, yeah. Real quick, Nick, not to step on your Nick's numbers bit here, but I'm going to throw out a quick number. Jones last year threw for 3205, so 3,205 yards. You're going over under 3450. Me? I'm going over. Yeah. I'm going over on that. So am I. So am I. I think it's going to be 3637 this year, probably. All right. Uh, let's move on to the skill positions hey it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command it's not just a podcast it's the 25th hour of your day your weekly source for all things commanders right on time your time a list of household chores do them without missing a beat and listen while you work in the car turn mundane drives into memorable moments with podcasts you can maximize productivity and minimize FOMO We're on demand, so we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson. All right. This is this is a fun one. Uh, running backs across the division because you got some really, really good ones in all four spots. Um, I don't know what to do with Dallas with Tony Pollard. Do we just assume he's going to be healthy? Do we I just guess so? Go with that? Yeah. Okay. yeah. For, the, for the purpose of this rankings, we're assuming a healthy Tony Pollard. So uh, they obviously lose Zeke. Uh, They got Tony Pollard, Malik Davis, Ronald Jones, who they bring in from Tampa, and then Deuce Vaughn, who they drafted. That's their running back group. Uh, We have, obviously, Robinson, Gibson, Rodriguez uh, here. They've got Matt Breida to back up Saquon in New York. And then Philly, uh, the way ESPN is listening on their depth chart, they got DeAndre Swift as the starter. But it'll be Swift and Penny, and they still got Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott on the roster as well. Yeah, go ahead and get started because I don't, I, I honestly don't know. It just feels like four really good rooms, and I don't really know how to rank them. Like someone's I mean, going to be very disappointed to be last year.
1: I mean, for me, it's like the the best group in the division is Washington, in my opinion. Like if I'm starting a team, that's what I want. I want I want a very consistent kind of every down back and Brian Robinson who can run between the tackles, has explosive ability, you know, enough explosive ability to keep you honest. Um, his vision's off the chart. He elevates the offensive line in a way that I don't think a lot of other backs in the division do. That's not a knock on them. I think his vision is just like an elite trait for him. And then to have the explosive playmaking ability of Gibson, which we haven't really seen here, but I think with the I'm kind of betting that we do see that. And I think the depth piece of Christian Rodriguez um, is going to be, or Chris Rodriguez, excuse me, is going to be very, very nice. Um, And I don't really think, you know, Patterson's here. They've got some good pieces in terms of depth. And I just think Williams. Yeah. Williams. Thank you. um, Yeah. I mean, all
0: those guys. So what, like someone, someone is going to be on the practice squad. That's a NFL quality fourth. I
1: think so. And I think that uh, when I look at that, I'm like, man, that's the group I want. You know, like when I look at um, Philly, for example, I think what they're banking on is that they have the best offensive line in football. And I think they might've even gotten better this offseason with the draft. Which is crazy to think about, but I think they're a very, very, very good group. And I think, you know, Rashad Penny had the highest yards per carry last year when he was playing, but is also one of the most injury prone players in all of football, right? And then Gainwell is a converted receiver, much like Gibson, very good football player, but I definitely think those guys are elevated by running behind like one of the best offense like the best offensive line since that dallas team back in like what was that 2000 yeah thirteen fourteen 14 whatever that was so that's kind of the the group that they're running behind and i think you see good production from this group kind of who depending on who's blocking in front of them and i'd say new york would probably be my be my number two because Saquon's there, but I just don't know mm. if they have the depth that this that this room has here in, in Washington. And while right. Saquon is ceilings very high, like you need a couple good running backs in the NFL. That's just how the position's going. So um, I think the, the group that I'm probably like least excited about is Dallas. I think Pollard, you know, everyone's excited about him getting more touches. For me, I think one of the reasons he was successful is because he wasn't taking all these touches. And now that he's going to be getting a lot of touches, I think he's going to be much less effective on a down-to-down basis. So I think they need to think about some depth there. Um, I think he's a very good player. But, um, yeah, that's kind of my high-level thoughts on the division at running back. And I just think, to me, it's like we, we, have the mo- we have the deepest group. We have two guys with a ton of upside, ton of talent. That have, that have played good football in the NFL. And I know there's some talks about Gibson not being the most efficient runner, and I get that, but I do think his usage pattern is going to be much more uh, diverse and speak to his skill set in a way that we
0: haven't seen um, in the last three years since he's been here. Yeah. For being inefficient, he's been hella productive. Like yeah. he still was a thousand yard rush for a couple of years ago. Like yeah, what are we yeah. talking about with him? So like, I think people, people get way too caught up sometimes in some of that stuff. And and I also, the coaching of Bienemy, enemy, former running backs coach, he's going to, he's going to get better. As you said, the usage, like the screen game, which has been non-existent is going to be a huge factor. Some of the misdirection they use is going to help spring big runs. Like there's so much potential for the running backs here. I, I think I agree with you because uh, it seems like everywhere else there's either high end or depth and Washington yeah, has both, both like yeah. Robinson has a chance to be the leading rusher in the division. Um, yeah. Gibson is fantastic. Um, Rodriguez again. I, I said this on the the, the early week pod, but you know he is the Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, just give the ball to the angry guy and let yeah. him just run through people. Like they stole something from him. Like that is that is the Chris Rodriguez Isaiah Pacheco model, which obviously worked very well for Pacheco last year in Kansas City under Bienemy. So there there are three deep there that could be very good if Rodriguez is good. And as you mentioned, whether it's Williams or Patterson who makes the team as the fourth, or either one of those guys on the practice squad as a depth piece to, to be able to boost up their NFL backs with NFL experience that you know, with, in the, within this scheme and system, I think could be, could be effective. I struggle with two versus three because yeah. I do really like Like it depends on if Rashad Penny's healthy right if penny stays healthy and swift stays healthy because he's had a couple of injury concerns as well i think i tend to put the Eagles second because i mean boston scott has had some monster carries for them gainwell's been really good for them uh you know and there's familiarity there you you know they do get to run behind that o-line and you know what's the parameters that we put on this it's like you're set up for this season and where you're at so there is you know would i rather be a philly running back or uh a New York running back, I'd probably rather be a Philly <laughs> running back. Um, but I'd also probably rather be Saquon Barkley. And yeah. he, if you go, who is the single best back in this division? It's obviously him. There is to me, we're starting to get, and I can't believe we're saying this because, like, this is so the cruel reality of running back in the NFL. We are getting to the point with Saquon where it's like, when does he start to slow down? We're only yeah. five years in. But, like, we saw it happen with Zeke. And once it happens, like, it is a big freaking deal he has missed some time which could help him less less beating although when you miss time with injury typically that's not something that's going to help you um but ultimately like the is matt like how what's the drop off between saquon and matt breeda it's it's real big breeda's fine um he's not he's a real legitimate nfl running back but it's not like these other teams in terms of the depth where you have a kind of a second starter like penny's a starter swift is a starter Gibson's a starter Robinson's a starter and so that would be my my quarrel with two and three I agree with you that Dallas is fourth Pollard's exciting but also he's not it's not like he's 22 he's 26 he's been around and he has had the limited carries like you mentioned but if he hasn't like he's never been a lead back and so the fact that they're having him be a lead back in a year where he's coming off a, a bad injury I do have even if we're saying he's going to be healthy like there's the you know there there's being able to play and then there's being at your best and I don't know that he's going to be at his best. So I I think I think I agree with you pretty safely on 1 being Washington. Yeah. Pretty safely on 4 being Dallas. I think the quibble is in the middle with yeah. uh with whether you and it's just a matter of of health. If if Billy yeah. stays healthy, they're Dude, second. going to Yeah. Yeah, if Saquon uh is healthy and uh, philly gets a bit a little banged up then i think you go second there because you know i guess also too do you want to like quasi include daniel jones here yeah um, i mean as, you as could runner
1: i mean but then if you're doing that you got to include jalen hurts and then jalen hurts
0: you well, know, like, yeah i guess i totally, guess that really solidifies it for philly then.
1: totally breaks the scale you know and i think uh i just think like again to me like Rashad penny is one of like when he is healthy he might be the most explosive back in all of football like, he, like, it's crazy how, how efficient he is on a per-touch basis. The problem is, he just hasn't stayed healthy. He just hasn't done it. Like, he's had the, what was that, 2021? When he, like, the last five games of the year, he rushed for over 150 yards, like, four consecutive games. Like, it was ridiculous. I'm probably being hyperbolic there, but it was something crazy efficient. He had over five yards of carry. But you only see that for little itsy-bitsy time, because he's always kind of nursing some type of injury so if he's healthy that 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 rushing offense that rushing attack there in philly is going to be awesome swift i think again talk about a guy who's underachieved a little bit in terms of rushing efficiency so you know not surprising to me that detroit kind of decided to move on i know he's a big name i know he's an explosive runner but i think the thing about him going to philly is like he's rushing behind an offensive line that's super efficient a running attack that that allows for big running lanes, creates a ton of space because the quarterback's a threat to run because of the RPO stuff. So to me, he's a space player, and I, I just think that group. If again, if they can stay healthy, I mean, Gamewell's not a bad player. Like he's not a bad football no. player, and neither is Boston Scott. So I'd probably lean Philly. But again, the, the Rashad Penny thing—he has just historically been so banged up. I would not. I wouldn't count on him. So it's like he's
0: yeah he's been in the in the league since 2018. He has less than 2,000 rushing yards for his career.
1: Right. Which
0: by the way, that stretch I just looked it up. 2021, four of the last five games of that season. You weren't far off. Um, He was over 130. He was 137. He had a 39 yarder dud against LA, but then he goes 135, 170, 190. So he did average over 150 in that four four of five games.
1: Do you have his yards per carry there? It was insane. It was like six um, yards of carry, or yeah, whatever it was. Yeah, but, it was
0: eight, well, eight, six, three, five, seven, nine, six, eight, eight, three. I mean, we'd look have, we'd at that. would have to that. do the math.
1: But look at that efficiency, though. And so again, yeah. in behind that old line, like to me, he could be the breakout player of the NFL. Right? He could, you know, rush for a thousand yards on like ten carries, damn near. I'm being again, that's an exaggeration, but he just yeah. has not
0: all, all all in the shadow of your own end zone, all hundred yard touchdowns. Yeah, Bang, but he, it
1: is. but he has not been healthy. So to me, it's like, I'm going to bank on the commanders. I guess I go Philly because the upside is tremendous with that group. I mean, it's through the roof. And I guess you go, I guess you go New York, but it's only Saquon there. It's only Saquon. And that's the only reason you give them that opportunity. And I'm not very confident in Dallas at the moment, just because I feel like they don't have, I think Tony Pollard's an excellent football player, but I think he's better when he's not carrying the lion's share of touches. When he gets some of those game plan touches, like we talked about last year. So, um, I think I think I feel pretty good about that order actually.
0: Okay. I agree with you. All right. put it on the graphic. Hit print. We got it. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports, Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson. All right, last two, Logan. Uh, got wide receiver tight end together. then we got O line. Let's do wide receivers, tight ends first. This is a this is a really tough this one because there's, some, there's some pretty significant wild cards uh, in this division. Here's the here's the high level overview. Washington's got this incredible three wide receiver trio, McLaren, Dotson, Samuel. Uh depth pieces, I think there's questions about. We talked about that earlier in the week. Tight end questions, but Logan Thomas has looked healthy in camp and looked good. Uh John Bates, excellent blocking tight end. Then we'll see between Cole Turner, Curtis Hodges, et cetera. And really um, high upside with those guys. Really high upside guys. So that's that's the Washington group. New York has some of the biggest wild cards in here, mainly Darren Waller. They bring him in in the offseason. When he's healthy, he's the best tight end in the league, not named Travis Kelsey or George Kittle, and he's, frankly, in that group. Uh, But talk about a player with health concerns. Jeez, he has missed a lot of time, and he's on the wrong side of 30. Um, so. so he is uh he's a giant wild card. Paris Campbell, underachieved in Indianapolis, but now yep. let's see what he can do in New York. Darius Slayton, Isaiah Hodgins, who we mentioned earlier and is awesome. By the way, did you know the the Giants signed jameson Crowder?
1: I did know that. I did know that, yeah. Uh, I mean, they also like, had
0: J- Jalen Hyatt in the draft. So.
1: And also their backup tight end there is a good football player.
0: Um, uh, Bellinger. Yeah, yeah, I know you, you're a big, uh, big Bellinger fan. It's a All big right. Bellinger Cal-
1: fan. I'm, I'm
0: in on that. <laughs> um, super intriguing group in Dallas. Yeah. CeeDee Lamb, who's awesome. Uh, Brandon Cooks, uh, who they signed in the offseason, who's played for 150 of the 32 NFL teams. Uh, <laughs> Michael Gallup, a uh, year removed from the ACL. And then tight end... Bunch of guys that giant question marks after they uh, they let – what's his name? Dalton Schultz go in the offseason. Yeah. Jake Ferguson, Peyton Hendershot, and then they got your guy Luke Schoonmaker in the draft. Uh, and then, of course, And, and their
1: depth there – sorry to cut you off. Their depth there is also kind of interesting. You got Jalen Tolbert, who is supposed to be kind of this big play, explosive guy. You got Simi Fahenko who, from Stanford who tested like A.J. Brown. He's like 6'5", he's 230, every year in training camp he's a, this is his third year everyone talks about him being this ex- so they have like interesting depth pieces there also sure. which i think Turpin the, returner yeah, makes, uh, them, yeah. makes them makes in- them makes them kind of gives them an edge over i don't want to say over washington cuz i think the top 3 might be better but the depth there is a little bit more exciting I think at the moment just to kind of put that out there so go ahead and continue
0: yeah with, uh, and then Philly has AJ Brown Devontae Smith Quez Watkins um by the way did you see that Devin Allen ran the fourth fastest time in the world in the 110 yeah, meter hurdles this weekend that. um Dude, so he's uh, still dude's
1: fast. floating around
0: yeah super, super fast uh Zacchaeus Greg Ward still floating around uh and then at tight end Dallas Goddard uh, and then they've got a couple of death depth pieces as well it's tough, man. I don't know. I don't know where to go here. Um, I mean, if, Philly's obviously I, loaded. I um, think I would probably. I really go like Washington. Dallas has a, a say. I think New I start, York's fourth. I feel, so I, and they still I'll, could be good.
1: I'll start talking, and you tell me when to stop. So I will say, um, I say I'd probably go Philly because I think, as much as it pains me to say, say it, I think they have the best receiver in, in the division, and I think they have the best tight end in the division outside of Darren Waller, at least someone you can kind of bank on, right? And I think that combination may be the best number two as well. Like that is a stacked skill position. Group. Just,
0: just for extra clarity, you're saying Brown's one Smith is two because there are weeks that it could be the other way around.
1: Yeah. Right. I'm saying Brown's one and I'd say, yeah. I'm giving him a slight edge over Terry. Right. Yep. And I'm going to say, um, and then I would Devante. say uh, Devante is number two and I would give him a slight edge over um, Jahan. So yep. like, that's kind of how I feel about that. Um, I then I would probably go Washington, I think, and again, I'm probably a little high on Logan Thomas after seeing him in OTAs because he looked really good. Um, But, you know, Terry, and I think you get the three guys there, you get Terry, you get Jahan, you get Curtis Samuel, you get Logan, and that group is pretty formidable. It's very consistent. And I think I would bet on it, again, with the new coordinator over a team like Dallas, which I am very high on. I'm very high in their skill position, guys. I think Washington has a better tight end at the moment. I think um, C.D. Lamb is very, very good, but I don't think Brandon Cooks is. I think he's good. I just think the upside here is a little bit better for us in terms of route running, diversity of uh, of the position kind of stuff. So it's close though. Dallas and, and Washington are very, very close, and kind of beauties in the eye of the beholder. I'm going to go a little homer bias here and just say I'm betting on on our our guys here betting on Terry betting on Jahan to get better, betting on Logan to be better, betting on the usage to be better, and I think the usage in Dallas is going to be worse because Mike McCarthy's not, you know, I think he's fine, but I don't think he's got, like, this innovative offensive mind the way some of these other teams do, and I think that leaves uh, the Giants. Is kind of the way I would look at it.
0: Yeah, I think the Giants are the easiest one to rank their last. Not that they have not improved, not that they're good, or not not that they're bad, not that they couldn't be good, Um, and it really just is, giant wild card of Waller's health like when your number one playmaker is that unreliable from a health standpoint over the course of years that's a tough pill to swallow Um, Uh, I mean it's hard to have high confidence in that
1: to your point though like he quite honestly is the and I'm not I'm being maybe no I'm, I'm this is I believe this when he's healthy he's the most dangerous playmaker in the division like that's how good I think he is at football the problem is to your point like he just has not been healthy. I mean, when was his last good year? I think it was like two thousand twenty one, two thousand twenty, something like that. Like he was dominant, but it's just so hard to rely on that guy. Um, you know, he's like changed his life, he's his his story is awesome. He's great success story, but man, like he's just he's not been healthy and you yeah, need he, him to be healthy. He had-
0: Eleven hundred yards in twenty nineteen, almost twelve hundred in twenty twenty. He played eleven games in twenty twenty one, but he only had six hundred and sixty five yards receiving and two touchdowns. I think that was the year he like then, pulled his
1: hamstring or something. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, he he just wasn't himself. And then last year, only played nine games, 388, three eighty yeah. eight and three touchdowns. But like he really had one incredible season, two really good seasons, yeah. that 2019 season, uh, 1145, but only three touchdowns. And then 2020s, you know, 1200 yards, nine touchdowns. So, um, and I, I think, yeah, there's a guy, Jordan too.
1: yeah, there's a guy there, I think also where I would say I'd bank on Kafka and Dayball maximizing him if he can stay healthy like I think he's point I I, again I I am very high on him like I like when he was at his peak playing tight end I was like there's nothing this guy can't do he can beat your number one corner playing receiver like with speed with suddenness which is there like Kelsey for example can beat your number one corner but it's off of kind of savvy you know short area burst like there's no tight end in football that can just line up at receiver and I'll be like I'm gonna run a go cover me you know like, dude is a physical freak. He, he has excellent routes. He's good in the run game. Like, I am so high on him, but much like Rashad Penny, like, I don't care how, how high I am on you. Like, if you're not playing football, like, we're going to yeah. be in a little bit of a trouble here. So,
0: so I mean, I like Slayton. I like some of the other pieces. Um, and the thing is, they're so well coached, but I still think you have to put them fourth. I agree with you. Dallas is third. Um, I think they they don't, they just don't have a lot of variety in their skill position. Like they're a speed built team, Brandon cooks, speed guy, Gallup speed guy. And like, I don't, you know, you look at like the route tree that Jahan Dotson can, can run. Yeah. And even Curtis Samuel, like Curtis Samuel can run anything. Um, yeah. Not quite as crisp. Uh, maybe he's a little bit more Brandon Cooksy. but if that's your, if that's your third guy, and by the way, that guy also plays some running back for you in an air yeah. of the enemy offense. That's a very, very different, Uh, thing than what they got going on in Dallas. So I would say they're they're third, Dallas firmly. And then it's a matter of like who do you like, Washington or Philly? And I think anybody that's not being horrendously biased would have to say Philly. I agree with you that Terry's just a tick below. And that pains me because I love Terry McLaurin. And I'm excited to see what he can do this year. But uh, Terry's just a tick below A.J. Brown. And I think Jahan is just a tick below Devontae. Although I think there's a chance that that switches, um, not because Devontae's not awesome, just Jahan's a little yeah. bigger, um, has some really really special high end top end speed. Like we'll see, um, and you know then obviously Curtis and what he can do, and and then the tight end. So um, with Dallas Goddard, like that's that's a separator to me. That that might yeah. be the biggest separator is like the drop off from Goddard to Logan Thomas. Even if Logan's good, is is still. it's 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 noticeable even if you don't want to call it significant.
1: It's the consistency too. You know, like Logan, I think at his peak is definitely in that conversation, but he just, it's, you know, an injury and lack of usage last year, like all those things. And I think that'll be better this year. So I think that'll be closer this year for 2023 than the past couple of years. But I do think Goddard's just been the way he's using that offense, the way he make plays. um, It's just the consistency. And I'm going to bet on that. So I think that they have the number one, uh, skill position group and also they have the best quarterback so i think that also elevates that group which is um, tends to help yeah which helps
0: all right so uh skill position or or or, i mean running back technically skill position too but pass catcher group uh we're going philly washington dallas new york which brings us to last but certainly not least offensive line um start with philly of Dickerson, Kelsey, Jurgens, Lane Johnson—ridiculous.
1: They drafted Steen in the second round. Like that group is like yeah. I don't know, man. They just like restock, retool, they develop guys. Like you know, we talk about Brian Callahan a lot on this show, or not? Bill, excuse me, Brian's Bill Callahan, Bill. Yeah. Um, but that O line coach in Philly might be the best at de- one of the other kind of guys that is really excellent at developing talent, and they deserve a ton of credit. That, I mean, that group when you watch them. They are so physically dominant. Like, you don't see double teams the way those guys double team. You don't see just a bunch of just big athletic dudes. Like, I think the average offensive line weights like three twenty five for them, which is huge. You know, Lane Johnson's the maybe the best player, <clears throat> best offensive lineman in football. Trent Williams might have something to say about it, but very yeah, very excellent. I would,
0: yeah, I would probably take Trent, but like Lane's right there, and that's saying yeah, something.
1: That's saying something. Dickerson's one of the best guards in football. Kelsey, probably best center in football. My Lata, you know, is probably a top 10, maybe even top eight type left tackle, which is crazy because he's never played football before. Uh, obviously, they lost their right guard to, uh, in free agency, to Detroit. Tennessee. Tennessee. Tennessee, Detroit, Tennessee wherever, Tennessee. a blue team. And
0: um, <laughs> shout and, out to the blue team.
1: But they, uh, but they, have done a good job of having depth pieces and they drafted and they're just always restocking, retooling on that group. So to me, it's like Philly, not only in the division, but in the NFL is probably the best group. Yeah. So
0: done. Easy. All right. So I'm gonna read off the other three real quick and then and then we can debate them. So Dallas has Tyron Smith, Tyler Smith, uh Dots. Sorry. Yeah, he's to, new. Yeah. Uh sorry to their center whose name. If if only their backup was their starter, I can say that last name. It's Brock Hoffman. <laughs> Uh, oh, there so you go. My my long lost cousin. Uh Zach Martin, Terrence Steele. So that's the Cowboys. Giants are going Andrew Thomas, Ben Breedson, John Michael Schmitz, uh, Mark Glowinski, and then Evan Neal. And they got some some depth pieces, obviously, as well. And then obviously here we know it's Leno, Charles Gates, Cosme, Wiley. How do you rank them? So I'd
1: probably go Dallas next. Um, just even though they're getting old, like Tyron Smith is is a shadow of his of his former self. Zach Martin still playing, probably top three guard in the NFL. Still really good football player. I like Tyler Smith, but a lot of growing that needs to happen. Former uh, former first round pick. Um, the centers new. I don't really value center that highly. Terrence Steele did a great job last year. Um, so you know, awesome. I think that group is good. I, the depth pieces there, too. I like a lot. I think they did a good job kind of having people that can play some football for you. Um, but they are kind of at a tipping point. I think they really need to think about uh, Tyron Smith and where he's going. Um, physically, always kind of banged up. Can't rely on him for 16 games. But I think the rest of that group is is pretty good. But they are at kind of an inflection point in terms of like they're like a year, maybe two away from totally
0: falling apart. Totally. Uh, With Tyron slash with Tyler Smith, would you, if Tyron misses time, would you kick Tyler Smith out or do you think he just needs to live at guard and that's his home?
1: I mean, I think he did a good job last year playing tackle and I think having some flexibility. I mean, that's why everyone talks about position flex. That's a perfect example. Like he's athletic enough to do it. He's got some upside. I mean, shoot, he did a good job last year playing left tackle for him. Uh, I think you want him to live at guard as much as possible which is another reason why that like i think their backup right tackles with is that his name is um do you have it
0: in front of you um i am not seeing a witowski like
1: he's from anyway he is a guy that has a lot of high upside stuff. Oh, there I is think.
0: uh well let's go
1: well, let's go thank you so he's got a lot of high upside so maybe you feel good about him in year three coming in and playing some football or year two i really liked him a lot last year um, in the draft from a small school, but six high. eight
0: three zero five from North yeah. Dakota,
1: high athletic upside guy it tested off the charts at the combine. So does he develop? Got thirty six inch arms, like all those kind of things that check those boxes. Having a guy like that allows you to keep um, Tyler uh, Smith at guard. But I I, th- I think that group is they're they're the best group right now. Will they be the next? Will, will they be the best group in, uh, or the second best group in twenty twenty four? Probably not. I think they're just going to get too old and too banged up. But I think for this year, I think you feel really good about that group.
0: So then you've got the Giants and the Commanders. And yeah. they're going to start Giants being uh, a rookie at center. They need a big improvement from Evan Neal. Yeah. Um, they bring in a couple of pieces at guard. And then Thomas, You know, how does he continue to develop um, after, I would say, probably a pretty disappointing season last year uh, in the eyes uh, of most Andrew, people? Andrew
1: Thomas? Yeah. I mean, or he, no, he, he got better.
0: It was two years ago that he had. Yeah, the two years year. ago. Yeah. So he
1: uh, he was probably. I think he graded for the first eight games of the season as the top pass protecting tackle in football. Yeah, Obviously no, two that years ago to...
0: he was real bad, and then last year he was. It was yeah, it was
1: awesome, and so he's a he's a top five player, and so outside of Lane Johnson, maybe Jordan Malata, I, I would put him. In, I'd say he's the second best lineman in the division. You know, it's just one offensive lineman, one good offensive lineman does not a good old line make and so right. you're really counting on again i think schmitz will be fine at center i think that's a big improvement it allows them to take the guy that was playing center for him last year moving to guard who i think is a pretty good football player um so it gets better but i think the the linchpin here because right now i would actually rate the commander's offensive line ahead of the giants okay but it depends on how you feel about evan neil if evan neil takes even a 25 percent improvement from last year like they're a significantly better offensive line and i think you kind of feel like based on andrew thomas's improvement from year one to year two i think you could fairly assume it's fairly safe to assume that whatever technique they're teaching up there takes a little bit of time to to kind of dial in and maybe you see an improvement so if you get an improvement like you saw from andrew thomas in the year two from evan neal like they might be better than dallas but that's it's all hinging on whether or not you think Evan Neal will be better or not.
0: Yeah. I would assume he's going to be better. Um, but is I don't he know be, how much that's, that's the obvious question.
1: Yeah. Is he going to be Andrew Thomas better? Cause Andrew Thomas went from like bad to like yeah. really good. You know what I mean? And I don't know, you probably can't bank on that, but even if it's a percentage of that, you know, and again, he was Andrew, Evan Neal was not good last year. He struggle busted big time. Yeah. So I, I, it's hard for me to envision him seeing that type of improvement, which is why I'm going to put them last on this list. But if he is, if he is good, if he is improved, I definitely think that could, that could be a dangerous, dangerous offensive line, which is weird to talk about within the context of
0: offensive line. Right. And obviously what does, uh, you know, what does Dable and and yeah. the scheme do to protect him? There there's, uh, all kinds of questions. Uh, to ask there. And we talked about some of those similar questions with the Washington offensive line to start the show on Monday. So if you missed that, uh, we did our confidence rankings. Spoiler alert, considering it's the first thing in the podcast, that was the group we were least confident in. So if you want more <laughs> thoughts on the Washington offensive line and you haven't heard that, go check out the show from earlier in the week. All right, next week, we will do a similar exercise with the defensive units in the division. So you can definitely look forward to that. Uh, leave a comment if you're watching on YouTube and let us know what you think i'm sure the giants eagles and cowboys fans will find this podcast and tell us how much we suck uh because that's that's the nfl baby give us the rivalries give us <laughs> the internet banter what did people do before the internet they just traveled to other cities and to each other. <laughs> nfcs baby back in the days when the arizona cardinals were in it okay that's enough uh For Logan, I'm Craig. Uh, Everyone have a great rest of your week. See you nice and refreshed off vacation next week. Not exactly sure of our release schedule with the holiday, but we will put out two pods next week. Uh, So you can definitely look forward to that. Uh, As for when they'll drop, if you subscribe, they'll drop when they drop right into your feed. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, uh, YouTube, wherever you subscribe or follow, make sure that you are doing so. All right, that's it. That's all. And we'll see you next week on Take Commit.